Hello, and welcome to episode 204 of Below the Fold, where some of the best content is just a scroll away. Today's episode, let's talk paid social. Let me throw down some introductions. We've got Nate Birch in the studio, SEO manager at Mapar Technologies. That's me. Brandon Hassler, founder and CEO of Market Campus. Konnichiwa. And Paxton Gray, Director of Marketing Operations at 97th Floor. And I'm Jacob Perry, Digital Marketing Manager at Myriad Genetics. Uh, I'd also like to introduce our guest for today. AJ Wilcox is joining our conversation. Let me give you a quick background. AJ founded b2linked.com, which specializes in LinkedIn ads, training, consulting, and account management. He's found great successes in the powerful business, targeting capabilities on LinkedIn, and loves to share insights into the most overlooked ad platform today. AJ fell in love with LinkedIn ads platform back in 2011. Since then, he's scaled and managed among the world's most sophisticated accounts worldwide. Welcome to the show, AJ. What's up, guys? Welcome, man. So today's episode is on social promotion. Uh, real quickly, I want to distinguish this episode from uh, an earlier episode where we talked about paid. It was episode seven. We had Brigham Dallas on the episode talking PPC versus SEO. We are going to take a different angle on paid, and I'll hand it over to Brandon to kind of get into the grit. Yeah, so I will be the first one to admit that uh, when it comes to paid uh, channels uh, within marketing, that's probably one of my weaker areas. So I really wanted to get AJ on the show uh, because I think he knows a lot more than I do, uh, has a lot more experience with different paid channels. We have talked about PPC in the past. Uh, we had our Brigham on the show. Our Brigham? Ago. Our Brigham, yes. We we own a part of own a part of him there but uh that was like a year ago it seems like almost a year ago long time ago and maybe it wasn't a year ago no it wasn't it's been close. we haven't time. even been recording for a year yet <laughs> i was just we launched at, it we launched in november so okay I was, I was looking at our slack account and i think we just created it in like july well, i think we recorded it in september or something it was a while ago. All That's right. true. Well, yeah, we we uh, we had ten episodes banked up before back we launched. The, back in the recording off someone's laptop microphone stage. That's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> but on our SoundCloud account, I think it was November or so that yeah uh, that our first one came out. Right. That's right. Yep. Well, anyway, so we talked a lot about AdWords specifically, uh, but anybody who has been involved with marketing or even just starting a business, you've probably at least heard of all of the buzz happening with Facebook advertising, Twitter advertising, LinkedIn advertising isn't one that you hear about a ton, which is another reason I wanted to get AJ in here to see, because I think the first glance when I've used it in the past, I, I started it, didn't really know I was treating it like I was just a, a normal Facebook channel. And then I blew through $200 like yeah. super quick. I'm like, holy crap, I don't know what I'm doing here. Or maybe LinkedIn's not, not the right network. So maybe I'll start with that with with AJ. I know we've talked personally uh, off the air just about some LinkedIn stuff, and you've kind of get, given some advice. But for the viewers, who are the people, who are the companies that should be looking to LinkedIn for their advertising? Yeah, that's awesome. There are three verticals that I look at and say, wow, almost everyone in these verticals can be successful. And and then there are a whole bunch of verticals that I can tell you that I don't find successful at all. Uh, so those the first would be B2B SaaS software. Um, those would be companies like Qualtrics and Adobe and Domo, Pluralsight. Uh, those types of folks, they have a high enough sale value on their, uh, on their software that you can make up for a premium priced click. Um, and 
the targeting just lends itself extremely well to reaching the purchasers of that software. Number two is going to be those in mass recruiting, um, those who are like a, uh, I, I don't know, like an Indeed.com, something like that. Um, they're trying to target specific people who have uh, relevance around certain types of positions and skills, and those are extremely easy to hit with LinkedIn uh, and have very high conversion rate. So you, you can make it work. And then the third is this higher education niche. So those uh, MBA programs or PhD programs looking to recruit, the targeting around education is phenomenal. I, I've got a follow-up question. You're talking about uh, the different types of people that you can get value out of LinkedIn. My question is, do you have a certain cost per acquisition that you try to target? or And within those three verticals, do you, do you try to say, okay, if I'm getting a lead at, uh, at 50 bucks a pop, that's successful for me. Do you have a, a basement and a ceiling for that? You know, I don't. Uh, I have benchmarks for what tends to work and tends not to. But what it really comes down to for my clients is they have their own customer acquisition costs that they can bear, and they have a certain landing page offer and experience that I don't really have control over. So I have some clients who are getting a $200 uh, cost per initial conversion, and they're jumping up and down screaming, yay, this is great. And I have some clients who are getting 200 and that's terrible. And then I have people who are you know, getting a forty dollar CPA and and that doesn't work, and a sixty that's working great. So, so, re- so really, your job is to come in and say, "Here's what you have that you're already running, and you try to optimize it for them. You you, you do it a little better. Or if you set up a new campaign, you go off of what they they had previously run, and then you you create your own campaign. How often have you come into a situation where they really have no they have no baseline? You know, actually about half the time, I get about half of my clients who come to me and say, we've tried this in the past and it absolutely sucked, but we know that we did it improperly. Can you help us do it right? And then the other half are are advertisers who say, hey, I'm really heavy on Facebook or I'm heavy on AdWords. I've already done lots of SEO, but I think my client is on LinkedIn. Can you help me get there? And I'll tell you, the, the LinkedIn ads platform, I will not be shy about this, is awful. It is by far the worst advertising platform out there, and I think some of my best business comes because no one else wants to deal with it. So let's let's change the the direction just a little bit. I think there are plenty of people out there who try to sell social advertising to their higher ups. What kind of justifications or or value propositions do you give in order to help people do that? Like yeah. why people the the lower people who see the value. Uh, and want to get into to social advertising, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, have you ever had an experience where they come to you saying, hey, how can you help me sell this to my boss so that we can get we can get going in this? Yeah, let me tell you about my original experience, how I landed in, in paid social. Uh, what happened is I was sending a bunch of paid search traffic to a sales team. And the sales team, uh, and, and this happens repeatedly with every single sales team that I work with, I send a bunch of AdWords traffic, a bunch of AdWords leads, and they say two things. They say, number one, thank you so much. These are hot leads, but there's always a number two. But do you have a way to qualify these guys a little bit more? Because Absolutely. we're getting the janitor, we're getting the CEO, and we're getting everyone in between. Is there a way to qualify these people? And that was my initial question they asked me. And I said, well, actually, I, I can't control for the lead hotness of, of paid social, but I can control for uh, who these people are and how qualified they are to make the purchase. You know, if, if you're targeting someone with a product that costs 60 grand – a director may be initiating it, but the VP or the C-level is going to sign off on it. And I have very tight controls over who I show those ads to. And 
their seniority, their ability to purchase, their budget authority by company size, all that. But they all have to buy into it. And your message that your message to the one underling guy has to be deliver this to the VP or the director or the executive and every single person down the line to the person that's developing. They have to all sign off on this. So, yeah, you're reaching the influencer, you're reaching the decision absolutely. maker and the signer and everyone. Definitely. Yeah, so I have a question. Um, I don't know if you've seen Larry Kim's uh, presentation uh, at, I think it was Search Love, where he talked about using Facebook ads and Twitter ads to uh, basically uh, boost content that's already doing well to like put it up in the next echelon. So what I'm asking you is like, I know some tricks that you can use Facebook ads for and Twitter ads for to like combine it with your content marketing or to combine it with your SEO. But I don't know of any tricks that you can, that are specific maybe to LinkedIn. Uh, what are some things that you know about that were, would be interesting to someone who is really in the content marketing world or, or SEO or something like that? Yeah. So I'll tell you, and I'll be very, very transparent here. Um, I don't see those tactics working on LinkedIn mm. because of the premium cost per click. Uh, so, you know, I generally see between about a four and an $8 cost per click, depending on who that audience is on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And with Twitter, you can get your cost per click down to under a penny on Facebook. You can, you can get it down to a few cents. Yep. Right. Um, and, and I, I use these strategies and I love them and I'm, I'm all for using these platforms. Uh, but I just can't make the economics work. I can't use LinkedIn as a content marketing platform because paying a $4 CPC just to get someone in a retargeting audience, especially when half of those are going to be iOS users and won't be able to be retargeted, yeah. is it's a hard proposition. I can't make the economics work in most cases. That makes sense. And that explains why I haven't heard of any LinkedIn tricks. There are no <laughs> secrets. And I, I will tell you, there are great... So are, were you talking about the iOS ad blocking? No, I'm, I'm actually talking about all iOS devices. They don't carry cookies in the browser, and so they can't be retargeted. Mm, so that's if, if how retargeting works. Yeah, so if you're concentrating on sending original targeted ad traffic to your pages with very top-of-funnel content, blog posts, infographics, video, whatever that is, and you're, you're doing that in order to get them into a very efficient retargeting audience and work them down the funnel... Social traffic is really tough to do like that because half of those mobile devices are going to be iOS devices and you can't retarget them. Is Only that, half? Is that specific yeah. is that specific to the LinkedIn app on iOS or is that also true if they're using like Safari and use LinkedIn.com? Yep, it's it's true for all browsers on iOS devices. Android does carry a cookie. I get retargeted all the time. Uh -huh. Very proud Android user here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to know a little bit more, and this is turning into more of an interview, which we kind of don't like or want, but I'm interested, so I'm going to ask anyway. So going back to that process where there are many people in the decision process to uh, signing on for like a big uh, software purchase or something like that, uh, what do what's your strategy for that? I mean, uh, like what are you delivering each person at what times, or are you just kind of targeting one of them, hoping they will carry it the rest of the way or yeah so with linkedin i use a strategy that not i don't see actually practiced a whole lot but instead of just saying i want to target all c-level people with this messaging what i do is break them down into into what i call micro audiences and so i will have one campaign that is ceos in the u.s 
uh, of company sizes 500 and above in the tech industry. And I'll create another one that that's in, let's say, a, a different industry. Maybe it's agriculture and arts or something. That's mm-hmm. a terrible industry, but whatever. You can do that. Right. And then what happens is you're not getting all these leads that come in telling you um, that this audience is working or it's not. You're getting leads from all of these individual buckets, but then you're learning something about who who is responding to you and who won't. And, and so you get to learn about your audience and further develop your persona. So will you do that first? And then once you learn, okay, in this particular industry, uh, these seem to be the decision makers. So now I'm, I'm going to take round two and narrow in, and I'm only going to target this level uh, of person in the organization uh, instead of, con- or do you continue to just reach out to all of them as the campaign develops? Yeah, usually I start out with all of those buckets carrying exactly the same messaging even. So I will message to manager, director, VP, and C-level all the same. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to find out what level is my content and who's going to bite. And if I find out that C-level people are not interacting with it at all, then I know we need to change the messaging for them. Um, You can start developing your persona targeting by interviewing your clients and trying to figure out, hey, managers are the ones who are bringing in the leads, but uh, if we show messaging to their directors about you know, something else related, we can see that, that conversion occur. But usually that takes a lot of time to build up enough data to start doing that. About how much time? Um, I, I would say it's, it's not necessarily time dependent. It's more data dependent. So if you have a client who is spending 50K a month, you can learn things really quickly, obviously. The Um, volume. Yeah, it's definitely volume play. So not necessarily time, but um, it does take time to interview clients. Sure, time because the volume is determined by their budget. Yeah. (laughs) How often do you turn away clients, uh, LinkedIn clients, who you feel, even though they want to be on LinkedIn, would not be good for LinkedIn? Truthfully, I, I try to turn everyone away. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, That's it, a really good be the business hard plan. Get, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, what happened is early on in, in my company, um, I ended up having a lot more success than I was expecting, and my clientele grew faster than I could grow my ability to fulfill and, and my employees. Um, and so, I, I it's a good problem to have. It, it is. It's a nice problem. Um, but I started out initially by telling everyone, look. I'm going to tell you that LinkedIn is probably not the best channel for you because of these reasons. And if someone comes back and says, well, but what about this? And they have a a good point, then it's probably worth continuing the discussion. If I can turn them away and get them onto Facebook, um, here's, here's my secret sauce. If, if someone is new to social, if they start paying four or $5 a click and that turns them away, um, they're probably not going to do any more social advertising. And, and I'm going to feel bad that, that ruin their business. But if they jump onto Facebook and they're getting 80 cents to a buck 20 clicks and they develop their funnel. And of course, Facebook is going to produce a slightly lower quality lead than LinkedIn. But if they can use that volume to really bake out their sales funnel and their process and figure things out and make it efficient, then when you turn on LinkedIn traffic later on, it's going to be efficient. Their conversion rate's going to be there and the ROI will be there. So I will usually tell people, go start Facebook first. So are you doing the Facebook for them? Or are you saying, hey, go to Facebook, come back to me once you've done Facebook for a little bit? I usually refer them out. Okay. Um, I, I do a good bit of Facebook advertising, but I don't feel like I'm the best in the world, uh, nor do I ever want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the Facebook pr- platform, and I, I'm always trying to stay sharp. But uh, my my real wheelhouse is LinkedIn, and that's what brings me my business, so that's what I'm going to stick with. I want to know some <laughs> black hat tactics that – 
people may use on LinkedIn that I'm sure you probably don't use, but what things are being done on LinkedIn that may hinder your ability to, uh, let me step back. Let me give you an example. So coming back to SEO, and I know, AJ, you have an SEO background. Sometimes we see that people using Black Hat not only give the White Hat SEO guys a bad name, but oftentimes they're successful, right? And they're not getting hit by Google penalties. And we have to compete with that. So taking that same example to LinkedIn, are there black hat tactics in LinkedIn that work, but makes it harder for those white hat LinkedIn users to compete and to be successful? A bad name. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Uh, I would say probably there aren't. Um, there have been holes in, in LinkedIn that I've been able to take advantage of, of bugs and things. Um, like for instance, LinkedIn will only let you target a group as small as 1000 people. So if you get too targeted and you go under a thousand, it won't let you run ads. Uh, for about two years, I had a loophole to that and I would run really, really micro segments. Now that doesn't fit your definition of ruining it for anyone else, but it was a very efficient hack for me. I could get down to very, very like creeper level types of, of targeting. And I guess what that was. Yes, please. Would you put the same email address many times, except you would use like periods or symbols where if it's gmail it's the same it's the same email address no unfortunately it was using an api partner that didn't have the same restriction as the Uh, okay okay Um, so wait so would that work pax i don't know i've never heard yeah yeah facebook i mean facebook yeah you can you can basically import an email list and advertise just to those email addresses I think they do have a minimum audience requirement, too, for Facebook. Yeah, it used to be 20. I think it's smaller now. Mm. But, yeah, you can get even creepier on Facebook. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> and I actually like that quite a bit. Well, you can get creepy on Facebook without even touching their ad platform. But. So <laughs> I recently saw something that I would consider to be kind of black hat. It was on Facebook, but you could do the same thing on LinkedIn. Someone targeted me with an ad saying uh, it had the of uh, an off. Uh, so I went to BYU, studied at BYU. It had BYU's logo, but it was just, just a little different. And it said uh, BYU Finance Tips. And uh, it says, uh, because BYU grads are so trustworthy, uh, you can actually refinance your student loans for a much lower rate. So I was like, that's so weird that BYU is like, A, even talking about student loans, and B, suggesting that I refinance. Like, it's BYU. Maybe I should. Maybe that's a good idea. I've always thought refinancing was a bad idea. So I clicked on it. It brought me to this third-party site that wasn't BYU. But I the whole time. So they have a Facebook page for BYU. But the thing is, I looked into it, and they have a Facebook page for University of Utah. They have one for every university in the United States. Then they use targeting that. So when we say what school we went to, they just target students of that school, make them think that their school is endorsing that they refinance their loans, and then they click it and. Uh, I would say that's pretty black hat, if not illegal. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I was just going to say they're that using, pretty illegal. If they're using uh, trademarks from BYU, then yeah. Not even just their logo, but that's misrepresenting yourself as absolutely. the company. Yeah, yeah, that's very deceitful. Yeah. I don't know. I, but I bet it's working. I mean, I've seen oh, I'm yeah. sure it's people if, talk if about this specific on thing on LinkedIn. I mean, I don't click on anything, but yeah, I did click on that. Yeah, yeah so that, that's a pretty scuzzy deal. Um, there but, are a lot of places where LinkedIn fails. Um, but I will tell you that one thing that they do very well is their focus on user 
um, user safety and user privacy. And so every single ad, people will complain if you advertise on both Facebook and LinkedIn, they will complain about the long approval times for publishing an ad on LinkedIn. It'll be like, if it's a sponsored update, it's probably somewhere between three and four hours to get your ad approved. Whereas Facebook has measures that it happens Instant. almost instantly. Yep. Yeah. And the reason is because there's actually an actual human manually reviewing every single ad. So things like that would usually get caught by the reviewer team and they're pretty quick to, to disapprove things. The other thing is, you know, there aren't black hats out there trying to take advantage of something that's costing them a right. premium. They're going to move to Facebook first. And then as soon as Facebook gets so competitive that, you know, they're getting three and four and five dollar clicks out of it. Then they'll move to LinkedIn. But I just don't see that yet. And that's so interesting because it's so different when it comes to the actual platform itself. Like as far as the amount of quality content on it as a user, I'd say LinkedIn is probably one of the worst social networks. And I don't know if you guys yeah, have I, different experiences, but like so it's so funny that their ads are different than the ones that I do like, you know, where like I like Twitter for content. I like Facebook for content. But the ads are so much more reviewed and like it seems like it would be it would behoove them to take some of that effort and put it into making their platform a little bit better. Because honestly, I, I don't know how do you, I, if you use it differently than I do, but I just kind of feel like it's it's the worst. Yeah. Well, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a it's a it's one of the biggest platforms in the world. Right. And when you think about ads and platforms making money off of ads, I can't think of another platform with the exception of LinkedIn Majority of their revenue comes from ad monies, right? Whereas LinkedIn, and I was talking to AJ about this last week or a couple of weeks ago, where it's only what twenty percent of their revenue comes from ad spend, oh, and the other eighty percent is their paid profiles, the recruiters, yeah, who yeah, are recruiting who are, who is sixty percent of their revenue, yeah, and expensive, yeah, the sales, the, the sales navigator platform, that's usually twenty-ish percent of the revenue, and so. Ads have always taken a backseat. It was, what, two years ago that advertising was 16% of their, their revenue, and now it's up to 20. So it's catching their attention, and it's growing, and they're starting to make it better, which is awesome for me. Which I, I, I can't remember who told me this. It might have been, been you, AJ, but the current LinkedIn platform is reminiscent of a 2005 AdWords <laughs> platform to where they're just so far behind, which makes sense. Google... 90% of their revenue comes yeah. from their ads. Yep. So 90% of the resources probably go towards their ad platform. I mean, that's kind of an easy math problem, right? If if LinkedIn, only 20% of their money comes from ads, then they're probably only giving 20% of their revenue or their resources towards the platform. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, what's the point in making sure people are having a good experience consuming content on the platform? And really all it's about is getting people's professional profiles to be there so that recruiters can find the appropriate talent because that's where the money's coming from. I would just, you know, I, I participate in LinkedIn, uh, but it's just kind of embarrassing. Like I, something about it, it's just like a bunch of people bragging about themselves, writing a bunch of fluffy content so that they can brag more about themselves. It's funny you uh, say that because I think out of everyone in the room, I don't know about AJ's, AJ's profile, but yours is probably the most uh, brag. You probably brag more about yourself than anyone else here. I know, man. I know. I do. Uh, but it's, it goes back to they have a, that advantage, right? Um, people are looking. As long as people are looking, I'll, I'll play the game. But I guess I think what I'm doing wrong is I'm comparing it to the content I'm consuming as a user. I'm not recruiting. When I do recruit, I mean, it's at a much smaller scale. So I'm not 
I'm just looking at the platform as a user like I would Facebook or Twitter. And, and when it compared in that light, it just doesn't hold up. And so I long predicted like the downfall of LinkedIn based on that. But looking at it in this other light for recruiters, um, obviously it's going to blow LinkedIn or blow uh, Facebook and Twitter out of the water. Yeah, so this is slightly changing the topic, but I just was having a conversation with a coworker the other day about this, about the, and this isn't really even tied to the advertising portion, but talking about LinkedIn, I didn't know that you can do things to rank yourself so that when people are searching specific terms, recruiters or, or whoever, that you can do things to make your profile rank above uh, everyone else's. Right. Um, what are those things? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are the fact? What are the ranking factors for personal profiles? So, as a guy who considers himself an SEO, um, I actually feel really bad. I can't answer this, but <laughs> I, I came from the world of SEO, and then I went into paid social and played in the ad platform. And I never have once performed a search about about LinkedIn's SEO algorithm. Huh. Um, but I, I will tell you some things I do know that play into it. I can't tell you what the biggest ranking factor is or anything. Um, but recency of updates on your platform or on your profile. So if you're in there constantly making updates and, and improving it, you're going to show up higher on searches. Um, a lot of times your skills play into those searches. So if you make sure that your skills, especially towards the top, that um, are getting uh, getting searched more often. Yeah. And they're getting plus one more often. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting like interaction. Questions. Yeah. Yep. Um, that tends to help. Your job title actually uh, plays in quite a bit and your job title is a free form field meaning you can put whatever you want so you can write growth hacker you can write chief trash can emptier you can do anything you want there um, and so do do this this doesn't help me as an advertiser uh, who wants to be able to target you by job title but don't use your job title field for a job title use it for a description of what you kick butt at mm. Mm, i like that so along that same vein i do have a black hat tactic as it comes to allowing your profile to rank higher you know, talking about this algorithm, I guess there's a a script or some tool you can use that while you're sleeping or while you're doing other things goes around and mimics the act of looking at other people's profiles. Do you know about this? AJ? Yeah, there, there are several tools. Autopilot <laughs> for LinkedIn is one of them. Autopilot. Yeah. So I didn't know the names of any <laughs> is of these. Is that to get people to connect with you because they see you're looking at their profile? No, no because so this thing, if, if it goes out and looks at 15,000 profiles, the statistic I heard is around 40 to 50% of them will look at your profile. At, at just kind of like, who's this guy yeah. looking at my profile? Right. And people looking at your profile is a ranking factor <laughs> for when you when people are searching key terms that you may be that, oh, that may be on your page. So if you're looking at 15,000 individual profiles and 7,000 of those look at yours within the next 24 hours, your ranking value goes way up. Yeah. Anyway, so and you put can that go, in your pipe yeah, and smoke it. And you can go look at where you rank according to the people you're connected with. And uh, within your own organization. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when I pull up my own, I'm ranked like 123rd of everyone I'm connected to. I'm not a popular person on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I'm actually okay with that. I'm There's really, some irony. I don't know, man. Yeah. 123rd out of, I'm assuming, at least over 1,000. is That's pretty good. Well, I, I'm pretty active on the platform. But the people who are above me um, are usually really well-connected people. Larry Kim is always number one. Right. And, uh, and, and recruiters. And recruiters yeah. do well. Uh, but I'll tell you, the vast majority of those who rank extremely well on that and stay up there, it's because they're using tools like that. So if you value 
uh, that metric of, of knowing that you're ranked ahead of someone else, then yeah, pay 60 bucks a month. Use <laughs> or a tool or like if you're that. unhappy with your current job and you want people to come try to hire you, you do something like that and you're going to be towards the top of their list when they're looking for candidates for specific positions. It's true. Interesting. So out of all my connections, uh, Avinash is number one. Yeah. Yeah. You know he's using one of those tools. <laughs> I will say, though, AJ, man, I just looked at your profile, and I'd say your profile game's on point. Woo! You got, he's got 99-plus endorsements for, like, SEO, PPC, uh, uh, LinkedIn ads, LinkedIn. So what tool did you use to get those? <laughs> that was all entirely organic. Blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, exactly. I, I will tell you a secret. So um, LinkedIn, I don't like their endorsements algorithm very much uh, because when I went in there, people have been endorsing me for SEO for the last 10 years. And uh, when I went in there, I was like, oh, shoot, I'm not doing stuff with SEO anymore. What I really want to be up there is LinkedIn ads. And so I took LinkedIn advertising, LinkedIn marketing, LinkedIn ads, and I put them at the top of my my skill set. You can reorder those. And what happened is I was like, okay, LinkedIn's going to be smart enough to see that I reordered them. So it's going to suggest to people, hey, you should endorse him for these top skills. But no, for the ones that I was already 99 plus for, they kept suggesting everyone who I'm connected to, <laughs> hey, you should endorse AJ for SEO more. So what I did is about two weeks ago, I just I shared a, an update on LinkedIn and said, hey, guys that I'm connected to, I'd really appreciate it if you jumped on my platform or my profile and endorsed me for my top three skills and I'll return the favor. Within five days, I went from seven endorsements on LinkedIn ads even though it was my top skill, uh, to 99 plus five days. So I did that same thing. I don't have as many connections as you do. (laughs) So I didn't get 99 plus on those, but, um, I am curious to know because LinkedIn a few months ago changed the way that you can message your connections. There used to be a way for you to BCC everyone and just do a bulk message. And now you have to kind of do it individually or in a group, um, format so that everyone sees who you're talking to. How long ago did you do do that and what method did you did you do it? Yeah, so that was just a simple update. That was sharing a status update. Oh, it was an update. Yep, so I didn't send individual mails to everyone. Oh, that's probably better because I did the individual mail <laughs> and uh, some people were like, unsubscribe. <laughs> but it worked. It definitely worked. There were a lot of people. Most of the people went and endorsed, uh, endorsed me for the things I asked for and then didn't even ask me to endorse them even though that was part of my message. Everyone here at the table uh, got that message, too. I don't know. Are we even connected on LinkedIn, AJ? If not, we will be in about 15 seconds. Yeah, why don't you take care of that? <laughs> how much? To, how, where are we at with time? I think we have like 20 minutes or uh, no, we have like five minutes left. Five, ten minutes? Yeah, we got about five minutes left. Well, let's uh, thank you, AJ. This has been really great. We're going to enter into a segment we call Tool of the Week, and we're going to pass that over to Paxton, and he's going to introduce an awesome tool for everyone listening. All right, so my tool is cool, and uh, not many people know about it. I've never it. heard about that. What? Oh, it's not called cool? No, it's, it's just, not called oh, cool. Okay. It is cool. Uh, so this tool is called Clue App. Uh, Spell C- it. C-L-U-E-A-P-P.com. One word? Yep. Clue App. Well, it's a website, so yes, one word. Um, anyway, I think it's just called cool, or Clue, actually. Um, but what's awesome about Clue is you can put in the URL of your landing page and then uh, create a memory test. So it will give you a URL, and that URL is on clueapp.com's domain, but it contains basically a screenshot of your landing page, but it's scrollable, so they can see the whole thing as a user would normally see it. 
And then at the bottom, it, so it gives them, I think, five seconds um, to look through the page. And then it pops up with a screen saying, what is this page about? So you can see instantly, uh, and I think you can actually tailor the question. So if you don't want to see what this page about, you can say something like, what are we trying to get you to do? Or, or what stood out to you or something like that. But it basically allows you to uh, get user testing on your uh, web pages at a very, very uh, cheaply, right? So you just create this URL, then you distribute that URL to whoever you want to test your page. They get the feedback. And now you have data, uh, which is awesome for agencies uh, to get a bunch of data without having to have like an in-house uh, testing facility. Uh, you can just kind of give that to people, let them test it on their own devices. And uh, yeah, free to try. Check it out. So real quick case study, everyone knows here that Brandon probably just immediately put in marketcamps.com. What did you find? <laughs> On Clue app? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I have to share it now with my... So it gives me just a take, URL. Take that URL. And, you can and now I've got to paste it. I was just about to paste it on my Facebook so you guys could take the memory <laughs> test. Pop it, pop it into one of your tabs and see... See what it comes up with. Yeah. Take a look. Well, is it like instant? I thought it relies on no, people. No, no, no. Pop it. Yeah. So go to Facebook? No, no, no. Just no, there's a, put there's the URL a, there's in your URL. browser. Open a new tab oh, and okay. paste it right there and hit enter. No. No. Don't go to marketcampus.com. Well, I'm on Clue. <laughs> there's a there's a URL that view it provides. View my test? Yeah. Yeah, view your test. Look at this screenshot and remember what you see. So scroll down. Ah. So it says, what can you remember about the web page? So instantly he'll have to remember. I remember a guy sitting there doing something. Uh, it's called something, a, a green, you know, whatever like stands out to them. So you, the goal here is to get whatever your call to action is. You want that to be what they type in typically um, or whatever your message is. Um, but so it, allows it, you to it see. sounds like it's just testing how memorable your page is and, and not which just elements. the page, well, what, what elements, elements on the page. Yeah, what elements of your page are memorable. So is your call to action the most memorable? Yeah. That actually, or yeah, or that, whatever you want. That what, seems that pretty the, cool. It's kind of yeah. like the test where you put your screen so many feet away and say what, what are the elements of the page that you actually sure. see. But because this isn't, yeah, that's you testing yourself yes. basically, but this yes. allows you to... You crowdsource Is there a time limit? I think, yeah. I don't think Brandon got to the bottom of the page there in his test, and I think it's like five seconds. Here's my beef with the tool. So this, so the question asked was, what can you remember about the web page? It has a bunch of blank fields for me to just type in elements. I could say lots of green. Uh, there was a video at the top. It had this wording. Uh, what I would like to get is I could, I could think of sites that I've been to where the message, the marketing message was completely confusing, but I could still identify like, oh, this guy, this guy. Yeah. So you can, I, I believe you can change your question. Because I would like that, like, what was the page about? Like, yeah, and, and so you see can say, what can is the page it. about, or uh, something like that. Basically, well, you can cater the question to whatever You can bias it. I retract my... You, uh, <laughs> you can bias it. Yep. My beef, yeah. then. Yep. All right, yeah, put that beef away. Now, let me just... One caveat. I think you can change the question. I don't know. Uh, okay. I think I remember seeing that. <laughs> if anyway. not, we'll start our own. Well, yeah, and even right. if you can't, if you think about that question, what you really want to know is what the audience sees. And so if, for example, they see this big green background and that's what they remember, you've got to fix that. Well, I think I think uh, even if it doesn't, that seems like a different objective or, or sure. goal in the first place. You want to know what's memorable on the page, not how comprehensive your yep. content is. Well, a lot Definitely. of people have products, though, that are just like completely like, no, like people look at the website like I still don't know what this guy is trying to sell uh, versus I feel like this question forces me to focus on trivial 
type things like oh this headline remember this but i couldn't tell you what you're so selling it looks like you can do uh preference tests so you can do two versions of the page and say what do you like better uh click tests and yes no tests so i think you can say with a yes no test like were you did you understand this or like you can ask some questions anyway, I, I, I think it's yeah, pretty, you, cool. Yeah. It's pretty uh, cool and everyone listening go ahead and check it out you can find it at clueapp.com Okay, now we'll just enter last word and end our episode. Last word is 60 seconds of uninterrupted time to say whatever you'd like. We'll go around the table and end with AJ, and he can close up shop for us. We'll go ahead and start with Nate. Sure. So I'll be pretty brief, actually. I'm not very familiar with uh, with paid advertising, paid social. And I, I would very much like to learn how it interacts better with the buyer's journey because at the end of the day, when you have all these campaigns that you've built up, you need to be able to understand who you're trying to push into them, what vertical they're in, where they stand in their company, what problems they have to solve. And even though you've created the content to, well, perhaps you've created the content to solve those problems or help them in their job, you also need to learn how to how to use social channels or different B2B channels. And for example, LinkedIn's a, LinkedIn's a great one for B2B. And the fact of it is, I need to learn more of it. So that's on my list. Brandon, trying to trying to think of where I want to go with my last word, but the question that comes to mind, and I'm trying to figure out the answer, is I look at search ads and social ads, and I feel like they're two different audiences. Me personally, I almost never click on search ads. I don't know how you guys are, but I I click on social ads all the time, and so I I'm just thinking like years ahead, like will Facebook ever create like a good search? that could search the web and, and and legitimately compete with Google. And if they did, or if they could, uh, could that be the end of AdWords uh, just because social ads are performing so well, although you could argue that they're not as uh, qualified as people who are searching. But then at the same time, I never click on ads when I'm in that qualified mode searching for something. I go to organic search results. So if I had to pick between the two, I guess my last word is I'd probably, as a small startup, I'd put more money into social ads just uh, raising awareness, promoting cool content versus spending a lot of money, which AdWords is a very expensive, it can be an expensive platform depending on your industry. So yeah, I'm a big fan of social ads and I learned a lot from listening in on, on this episode. So I'll take my last word. Thank you, Brandon. I'll, I'm actually going to build off of what you said. I think there's another reason why social ads are a little bit better and that's because they're a little bit more comprehensive. They're easier for someone who's not super tech savvy AdWords is pretty technical, right? I, I mean, I have some experience with PPC and AdWords, but I would not be capable of going in there and building a campaign. There's a lot of keyword research that's involved, and keyword research can be very time-intensive and and hard to do if you don't really know what you're doing. So social, not only is it a cost uh, benefit because you can throw in, like Nate said earlier, $5 and see kind of the results of a, of a single little experiment— but you can hop in there and within 10 to 20 minutes, you can have a campaign set up and running. And uh, that alone, I think, lends itself to be one of the biggest advantages of social advertising over something like an AdWords. Pax? Yeah, I, for me, the whole debate about ad blocking versus ads, that ads can be good because they help you find what you're looking for. I haven't seen that in almost anything except for social ads. Uh, I'll often like want to click on some social ads because whatever they're showing me is actually kind of cool. 
I'm a sucker for all those Kickstarters with some cool uh, gadget. Like I always click on that stuff. I know it's an ad, but I still go anyway because I might actually buy it. And boy, they're good at just like following me till the ends of the earth until I buy uh, once I click on those ads. Anyway, yeah, so I, I kind of I'm a, kind of a fan of uh, social ads. I just think that uh, be careful because uh, you can lose a lot of money pretty fast if you don't know what you're doing. It's kind of like Las Vegas. Yeah, go to someone like AJ. <laughs> That's right. AJ, 60 seconds or less, what do you got? All right, for my last word, I want to talk about retargeting and the difference between retargeting search versus retargeting social. Uh, with search, this is really where online marketing came from. When you retarget an audience that comes from search, whether it's organic or paid, what you're doing is you're making buckets of an audience who either typed a certain keyword or landed on a certain landing page. And that's all that you know about that audience. Whereas from from social, you can take uh, a group who has a certain affinity to buy or you can take a group who you know everyone in, in this bucket is a marketer, everyone in this bucket is a, a CEO. You can put them into different audiences and message to them appropriately. So if you could think about uh, the power of social advertising in conjunction with retargeting is uh, – unbeatable by search. It's just incredible. Um, so I would encourage anyone to do that. Uh, use your social ads to build super powerful and efficient retargeting audiences. Thank cool, you man. so much. Thank you, to, AJ. We, again. Yeah, we need to have you back. I want yeah, to talk more, more about questions. this. Anytime, yeah. Let's brothers. keep talking over each other. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the show. That's and, it. And, and, and that's it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you'd like to engage with us, email us at inbound. In, below the fold. What? <laughs> <at> below the fold. <laughs> dot IO. And if you have questions for AJ, if you don't care, why don't you shoot out your email, how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, sure. AJ at B2Linked.com. That's the letter B, the number two, and the word linked. Perfect. And uh, full disclosure, AJ is my LinkedIn guy. We pay him over at, at Myriad to do some LinkedIn ads for us. And as far as I know, I mean, it's pretty new, but it sounds like it's doing pretty well. So anyway, shoot us an email, share topic ideas, and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>